to Daniel chapter 6, put your ribbon <clears throat> or a piece of paper or something in Daniel chapter 6, and then turn to Isaiah. We're going to actually start in Isaiah chapter 55. Um, so uh, if you put a ri your ribbon, uh, most Bibles have a ribbon in it, um, but if you put something in Daniel chapter 6, we'll be there in a little bit. Um, uh, but we'll be starting in Isaiah chapter 55. Um, one of the things, if you know me, uh, you know that I am very transparent. I, 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 don't, I don't try and hide things. Uh, if something is going on in my life, I share it with our church. So, you know, the... the, 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 the um, it is no secret that the last couple weeks of our life, well, actually the last several months of our lives, have have been um, turned upside down, if you would. And it's it's been very difficult the last couple of weeks, per, uh, primarily uh, for uh, my family, uh, my mom and my aunt. My aunt is visiting from Pennsylvania. Uh, my wife and I, it's been very difficult. Last Monday morning, uh, Melanie, <clears throat> she always beats me up every morning. Uh, <clears throat> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She gets up. She always gets up before me. Uh, not always, but I would say 90% of the time, probably 98% of the time, uh, she beats me up in the morning. Um, but she she woke me up last Monday morning and she said, uh, I, I I have this routine that I usually say because she's up before me and she checks cell phones and things like that, and I always ask her, so what's new in the world? You know, because things happen while you're sleeping. And um, last Monday morning, I didn't ask that. And she, I could tell she was, oh, was it Tuesday morning? Tuesday morning, excuse me. And um, I didn't ask that. And she said, she said, aren't you going to ask me? So I asked her. And she said, my cousin David died. And you got to understand, her cousin David was more like a brother than a cousin. They, they literally grew up across the street from each other. They played together. They did everything together and um, uh, passed into eternity, 62 years old. They don't know why. Uh, just they, they think it was a heart attack or an aneurysm, something like that, but um, they have to do an autopsy to figure that out. But, you know, life is fragile. And he just passed into eternity just like that. He was at work. And obvious, obviously it upset us both, but her probably more than me, just because she's so much closer to him. But Melanie said something to me last Tuesday morning in the course of conversation, just with everything going on in our lives. She said, you know, you need to go back and revisit the sermon series that you preached uh, entitled, What Do You Do When Your Life Has Turned Upside Down? And uh, for those of you that come on, on um, Wednesday nights, know that I preached a series. It was a seven, uh, uh, there was 11 sermons uh, uh, in that series on what do you do when your life is turned upside down. And um, so I did. I, I uh, over the course of um, that day, I, or, or the next day, I don't know. Anyway, I don't remember. Uh, I went back and I, and I read all 11 sermons. And God started doing a work in my heart and life. And I want to share with you this morning, whoa, uh, I want to share with you this morning what God did in my heart through me reading back through those sermons. Uh, now, those of you that were here on Sunday nights and heard, heard those sermons, a little bit of what I'm going to say this morning may sound familiar, but the majority is, is not. It's just what God did in my heart over the course of, of a few days this week and I don't normally normally I, I spend several days if not weeks praying about every sermon I preach but this morning's sermon is is really born out of just what's happened in the last primarily the last two weeks and so um, 
uh, I, I trust that uh, it'll, be a, it'll be a help and a blessing to you. But the reality is this. Your life can be turned upside down in a matter of seconds. It can come in a form of a phone call, a text, a letter, a conversation you have, a knock on the door. Most of you know that I'm a chaplain with Lyon County Sheriff's Department, and on a, on a few occasions I've had the uh, awesome burden of knocking on the door of someone in the middle of the night to let them know that their teenager passed into eternity. That's a, that's a, that's a horrible knock on the door that nobody wants. Your life can be turned upside down in a matter of moments. Those of you that know, we had a, a lady in town went uh, missing. And I got a call from the sheriff a few weeks ago that asked me to go with the detectives to let them know they found the lady. You talk about your world being shattered. As a pastor, I've seen people slip into eternity. I've seen people struggle with incredible, incredible losses. People in this room, I could could go down the aisles in this room, represent, you have no idea of the burdens that are represented in this room right now. You've got no idea. Incredible, incredible burdens that people are carrying this morning. What do you do when your life is turned upside down? We all have a blueprint of sorts. I'm going to use the reference here this morning of our lives as a blueprint, okay? Because I, I, before I was a pastor, I was a building contractor, so I understand blueprints. It makes perfect sense to me. So if you don't understand blueprints, just ignore me, okay? Um, but when I was a building, when I was a building contractor, I would get a set of blueprints, and you know, as a as a building contractor, life was really, really good when everything went according to the plan. Now, how many of you have ever added something onto your house or built a house or done anything like that? Anybody? Okay. How many of you know it never goes according to plan? Okay. (laughs) Okay. Our life is a blueprint. And we can work as hard as we want, and we should plan our lives. We should but it hardly ever goes according to our plan. In Isaiah chapter 55, where we're going to start this morning, let's look at verses 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither my ways, uh, uh, excuse me, your ways, my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, let me ask you a question. What is the difference between the earth and heaven? It's, in, it's not measurable. Okay? It's not measurable. That is how far his thoughts are from ours. We cannot compare the two. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to come this morning around your word. And and Lord, help us as we look at this precious, precious idea that you are in control of this universe and we are not. What do we do when our lives are turned upside down? 
Help us, dear God. Help us, dear God, to walk with you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Unexpected changes will bring or can bring pain, uh, fear, uh, a, a sense of, uh, uh, of being uncomfortable, um, uh, unsettling. You know, there, there's a lot of adjectives that we could use to describe uh, the emotions that we experience when these times come. And as a building contractor, it was my job to constantly be able to make adjustments when the the, the, the building that I was building didn't turn out the way. With, you know, there's always something that doesn't go quite right. So it was my job as the building contractor to make those adjustments. But, and, now, and get this, because this is important. It was my job to make these adjustments, but at the same time, I still had to stay within the parameter of the building codes. I couldn't just randomly change something just because I wanted to. I had to stay within certain parameters. Our lives are no different. As our lives change, God has given us a, for lack of better terms, a code book, if you would. And as our lives change and things happen, we need to stay with the book. Because this book has all the answers. I can't tell you how many times on a, on a building site, uh, as I made changes on the fly, a building inspector come in and say, well, why did you do this? And I say, well, I did this because this and this. And, you know, and, and, he's, and, and then I would have to pull out the code book and show him that it was a lawful change. Because all the answers are in the code book, according to inspectors. <laughs> but we have the ultimate inspector and has given us the ultimate code book. When those moments come, and they will come, if you are not in crisis, you will be in crisis. It is part of life. So, I want to help you with a few scriptural truths that will help you anchor your soul when the storms come. Because they will come. So the title of my message is the title of the sermon series that I preached earlier. What do you do when your life is turned upside down? Like I said, there's little similarity, not much. So if you heard it, just hang on. God should talk to your heart. My prayer this morning is that this, this message will be a help to you because it has helped me through the last couple of weeks. Put it all in perspective. What do you do when your life is turned upside down? Number one, Trust God. Trust God. Say, wait, that, that's pretty simple. Yeah, that's pretty simple, but it's true. I, turn over to Isaiah chapter 43, just over a few pages. Isaiah chapter 43. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1, it says, uh, but but no but now uh, thus saith the Lord that created thee O Jacob and he that formed thee O Israel fear not for I have redeemed thee I have called thee by thy name thou art mine when thou passest through the water I will be with thee and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt be uh, shall not be burned. When 
uh, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. God's promise is that he will always be there. That's his promise. Now I want you to look at verse uh, verse 2 in chapter 43. And what is the word, the first word in verse 2? When. Not if, but when. When troubles come, he will be there. When the fires of life are nipping at your heels, he will be there. When these things happen, he will be there. There are two primary reasons why we can trust God through every situation of life. The first one I want to talk about, reason number one, he's always there. No matter what is going on in our life, God is always there. Now, he, just because he may not feel like he's there, he's always there. Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11 says, uh, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you an expected end. I have a quote for you. I have a, a picture of a quote uh, for you that has, it had, this, this quote has helped me many times when I have been in the, the, the struggle, if you would. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing occurs to God? Think about that. We get caught off guard by the phone call, by the knock on the door, by the, the conversation, the text, however you... We get caught off guard. God is never caught off guard. God is not sitting in heaven thinking, oh, Rick did it again. What am I going to do to get him out of this jam? That, that, that never happens. Now we do that. But God never does. Nothing has ever occurred to God. He knows. He's always there. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe that God is sovereign? The word sovereign means supreme or superior. Do you believe that? I hope you do. Let me ask you another question. Do you believe, do you really believe that his plan for your life is better than your plan for your life? Do you really believe that? Then why do we fret? Why do we worry? I'm about to ask something here. Rick, can you turn those fans off? I got people over here that are shivering. I'm not. <laughs> but uh, if you could turn the fans off, I'm sure someone would appreciate it. Number one, trust God. Reason number one. He's always there. Reason number two, he knows me. He knows me. Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 and 5 says, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Be, Before I, I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth uh, out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordain thee a prophet of, of the nations. <clears throat> what is he saying to Jeremiah? I know you inside and out. I know you. And the word know is, a, is the word know by experience. He just doesn't know who Jeremiah is, but he knows Jeremiah. He knows his personality. 
He knows his abilities and his 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 inabilities, his gifts, his his <clears throat> limitations, and he knew everything about him. Why? Because he designed him, and he designed me, and he designed you. Now I make no secret about it, the fact that I have dyslexia. Now, I'll be honest with you, I'm not proud of that, okay? But I'm not ashamed of it either. You can say, well, why aren't, why aren't you ashamed of it? Now, now you you got to understand, I, I grew up in the 60s, okay? And people with dyslexia in the 60s were called stupid. I had more than one teacher tell me that. And there was a time where I was ashamed of it, but I'm not ashamed. Because why? Because I realized that that's how God made me. And I am perfectly and wonderfully made by Him. Now, does it drive me crazy? Absolutely it drives me crazy. It probably drives you crazy more than it does me when I leave words. That's one of the reasons we put words, the verses up here so that you can read that and not listen to me. It's embarrassing, but I'm not ashamed of it. Why? Because I am uniquely me. Now, my wife would say, yeah, he's really unique. (laughs) But I am uniquely me, and I'm okay with that. And the reality is you are uniquely you. And because of that, we can trust him. Psalm chapter 139, verse 14. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, that my soul knoweth right well. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That is an awesome thought. So, the two reasons he knows, or or, excuse me, he, he is always there. And he knows me. That is why I can trust God. Number two, are you ready for this? This is is deep. Okay? Believe God. You think, wait a second, wait, wait, whoa, 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 back the bus up. Trusting God and believing God is the same thing. I, I don't think so. Okay? It's similar, okay. But I don't think it's the same thing. Trusting God is something that takes place in the heart. When we trust God, it is something that we do in our hearts and our minds. When we believe God, it is putting our trust in action and living our faith. Turn over to Daniel. Hopefully you put a marker there in Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6 is an incredible verse that I think, uh, it's just an incredible verse. I love this verse. Daniel Daniel chapter 6, in verse 10, it says, Now when Daniel knew the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his window being open in the chamber toward Jerusalem, he knelt down, uh, uh, excuse me, he knelt upon his knees, three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. That to me is an incredible verse of faith in action. But let let me help you understand the true impact of this verse. Because the true impact of this verse is is incredibly powerful, but you have to understand the backstory in order to understand the impact of this one verse. So, <clears throat> turn if you would to Daniel chapter one. Daniel chapter one. <clears throat> Daniel chapter one, 
Let's start reading in verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto uh, Asphanaz, um, the master of, of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes. Okay, so what has taken place here? Uh, <clears throat> Daniel chapter 1 um, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, besieges Jerusalem, takes it captive, and, and in the process, he takes captive probably, we don't know, but probably hundreds, maybe into the thousands, of prime young men. He makes them eunuchs. If you don't know what a eunuch is, talk to me later. Uh, he makes them eunuchs. And he educates them in the ways of Babylon for the purpose of serving the kingdom of Babylon. Okay? Does that make sense? <clears throat> so, these we're, for, the, for the context of what we're talking about, we don't know how many, but we'll, for the context we're what we're talking about, we'll, talk, we'll just say that the, the, the number of the young men were in the hundreds. So that these, these hundreds of young men are transported from Jerusalem to Babylon to be educated and basically brainwashed into being Babylonian, not Hebrew. Okay? Look at verse 6. Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah also known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So there are four young men. Out of, out of all of these young men that are taken to Babylon, only four of them walk with God. The rest of them become Babylonian. Now this is important. Out of all of the men that were taken away, only four of them stayed true to God. The book of Daniel, if you, if you, if you, and this is important to understanding the book of Daniel, the book of Daniel covers the reign of four different kings. Okay, so the events of the book of Daniel, it's, it's, it's easy to think it's the same king, but it's not. It's four different kings. <clears throat> Uh, uh, um, and three different empires that change hands, if you would. First, you have the Babylonians. Uh, then you have the, the Medes. And then the Persians take over the, Me the Median Empire and blend the Me and they become what is known as the Medes and Persians. Okay? So you have three different empires, four different kings. The kings that Daniel served... Daniel served all four of these kings. The first one was Nebuchadnezzar. The second one was a guy named Belshazzar. Okay, and we'll talk about him in a minute. Uh, Darius the Mede, and then Cyrus the Great. Those are the four kings that, that Daniel, and you think, you may, I, I, hopefully I haven't lost you here, but at the end, it's going to all come together at the end, okay? So just bear with me. The first king, <clears throat> Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was a very proudful man. He thought he was really something special. Nebuchadnezzar <clears throat> erects a 90-foot image of himself and commands everybody to bow down to him. And if they don't bow down, uh, then what happens? You tell me. Okay, they're, they're thrown into the fiery furnace. So... Uh, uh, in Daniel chapter 3, turn over to Daniel chapter 3, <clears throat> verse 26. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Azariah, uh, Mishael, Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they say, hey, king, you know what? We're not going to bow down. We, we, we are going to worship the God, not you. And, and they are very clear, clear about it. They don't cut any... Anyway, they just cut to the chase. And the king gets really mad, and he throws them in the fire. In verse 26, this is what happened. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come uh, uh, hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth uh, uh, of the midst of the fire. And it goes on to say that not even the smell of smoke was on their clothing. But when the king, before that, when the king looked into the fiery furnace, what did he see? He saw four men. And he says the fourth was of the image of God. A little while later, in Daniel chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar becomes consumed with pride. Look what I have done. And, 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 and I'm cutting the story way short because of time's sake. But Daniel warns him of his pride. But in Daniel chapter 4, let's read in verse 30. And the king spake and said, Is, this, uh, is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the, the kingdom by the might of my power uh, and for the honor of what? My majesty. And God says, okay, that cuts it. You're done. And for seven years, Nebuchadnezzar lives literally like an animal. He eats the grass. And, and again, if you haven't read this, you can go back and read it. It is, it is incredibly cool what God does. But for seven years, he lives like an animal. Look at uh, uh, Daniel chapter 4 in verse 36. At the end of that seven years, <clears throat> this is the testimony of Nebuchadnezzar himself. He says, at the time, my reason returned unto me. And for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and brightness returned unto me. And my counselors and my lords sought unto me. And I was established uh, in my kingdom. And excellent majesty was added unto me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. All those who work, uh, uh, whose works are true and his ways judgment and those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. What, what did ba basically, what did Nebuchadnezzar say? You know what? I have been private. God has returned all this to me. God returned it all to me. And I praise and extol his name. God will humble the proud. Chapter 5, Daniel chapter 5 takes place and uh, Belshazzar uh, is a wicked king. And Belteshar, Belteshazzar, Belteshazzar uh, has a drunken orgy party. And, uh, and again, I'm cutting the story way short, but look at Daniel chapter 5. Uh, something really, really cool here. You, you know, Hollywood has nothing on the Bible. Okay? Just saying. Just saying. This is like really cool stuff here. Um during this drunken party, God basically tells Belteshazzar, okay, look, you're done. It's over. The party's over. Look at verse 24. Uh, and when the part of the hand uh, uh, sent from him, this is God's hand. God sent his hand down. Uh, and this was, was written on the... God's hand comes down and writes this on the wall. This again, Hollywood's got nothing on the Bible. And this and this is the writing which is written. 
Mene, mene, tekel, eupharsin. This is the interpretation of, of the thing. Mene, God had numbered thy kingdom and uh, finished it. Tekel, thou art weighed in the balance and art found wanting. Perez, thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. It's all over. Daniel chapter 6, where we were a few minutes ago. We're back to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel is no longer serving the Babylonian kings, Nebuchadnezzar and Belteshazzar. He is now serving Darius the, the Mede. So Daniel chapter 6 and verse 1 Daniel is in a quandary because he's got a whole new system. He, he, he grew up Hebrew. He, he, he was trained to be a, a, excuse me, a Babylonian. And now the, the, the Medes and the Persians took over. Look at verse 1 of chapter 6. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes that should be over the whole kingdom and over three presidents of whom Daniel was first. Okay, right out of the bat, do you see the problem here? Daniel was just captured in battle and Darius likes him so much, he puts him as second in command. You think there's a little jealousy going on here? Just a little bit. Of whom Daniel was first, that the prince might give uh, account unto them, and the king should have no damage. Uh, Then this Daniel uh, was preferred above the the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over uh, the whole realm. Then the presidents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could not find none occasion nor fault. What a testimony. What a testimony. For as much as he was uh, faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, we shall not find an occasion against Daniel, uh, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said, thus saith him, uh, Uh, unto him king darius live forever and all the presidents and the kings of the kingdom and the governors and the princes and the counselors and the captains have consulted uh, together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days save of thee o king he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the, the writing that it may be, uh, that it may, excuse me, that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which uh, altered not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Verse 10, now when Daniel knew the writing was signed, what did he do? He went and prayed to his God. Daniel purposely waited until he knew the law had been signed before he went and prayed to his God. Daniel believed God. He put into practice his faith 
after he knew the writing was signed, he went to his, his house. He opened his window and he prayed to God. Question. Those of you that know the story, did Daniel's problems go away after, after he stood and, t- and did right? No. Absolutely not. His problems intensified. Look at Daniel chapter 6 and verse 16. Then the, the king commanded and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Let, let me stop right here. Uh, those of you that grew up in Sunday school and, and have a picture of Daniel and one little lion uh, in, in this big uh, uh, room or whatever, that's not true. The word here is plural, okay? And the, this is a den of lions, plural. And they would actually starve these lions before they put them in with these people. So these, these lions were starving to death when they turned them loose. Okay, just so you kind of get the picture here. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually. Again, listen to the testimony of this man Daniel. He will deliver thee. The, the, the pagan king believed that Daniel's God was strong enough to deliver him. There's an important lesson here, and I'm running out of time, but you got to bear with me. Just give me a little bit of grace here. We're going to be late. But i, I got to share this with you. This is my heart. Daniel's problems didn't go away because he did right. If anything, his problems intensified. But his life changed the heart of the king. Um, for I, I, we were going to read a large portion of scripture here, but um, let, let's let's look over uh, to verse 24. Uh, let's see. Wait, wait, wait. Let, let's see. Uh, let, verse 18. And and then the, then the king went uh, to his place and uh, passed the night fasting. Neither were uh, music of instruments brought before him. Uh, and his sleep went from him. The, 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 the king was incredibly upset. Couldn't sleep. And the, and the king arose very early in the morning and, and went in haste uh, unto the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a l- l- lamentable voice unto Daniel. And, and the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God, whom thou servest continually, able to deliver thee from the lions? And Daniel said unto the king, O king, live forever. Look at verse 26. And I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. And he is the living God and steadfast forever and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall be even until the end. If you continue reading and studying, earlier I said Daniel served four kings. Three of the four, by the end of their lives, Nebuchadnezzar, Darius, which we just read, and Cyrus the Great, all three of them, three of the four kings that Daniel served, all three of them acknowledged that the God of Daniel was the God of heaven. That is the impact that this man had on his life and the lives of those around us. And I'm here to tell you, our life choices impact those around us. Especially when our lives are turned upside down. And people that have no hope, they don't know the God that we know. 
when they see us handle situations, unbearable, unbelievable situations, the right way, it can impact generations to come. Again, I wish I had time, but how many of you are familiar with the story of the wise men that come at the birth of Jesus? Okay, we all, we all know that. You know where the wise men came from? From Daniel. They were all, quote-unquote, spiritual descendants of Daniel. They all came from this area of the Medes and Persians and the Babylonians. They were all followers of Daniel. Now, Daniel lived hundreds of years before the, the, the birth, but Daniel's impact in his life influenced the wise men even into the day of Jesus Christ. And his life is impacting people even today because he believed God. He put his faith to the test. Number three, and I'll be done. This is really short. Um, but just, just bear with me, if you would, please, just for a moment. What do you do when your life is turned upside down? Number one, trust God. Number two, believe in God. Number three, get to know God. Get to know God. The book of Genesis, there's a guy named Abraham. Uh, Abraham has a wife. Her name is Sarah. Sarah, <clears throat> it's a long story. I'm not going to get into it. Uh, but anyway, uh, it, it, you can go read it, okay? But uh, Abraham uh, and, and Sarah have a son named Isaac. And Isaac... Uh, is getting to the age where he needs a wife and his dad Abraham says, you know what, uh, you need a wife, but I don't want you to marry one of the, the, the ladies around here. I want you to marry somebody from the homeland. Can you put that next slide up, Chris, please? <clears throat> so he sends his servant from Hebron where he was living, which is now modern day Israel, and he sends him to uh, what is modern day Syria to a a town named Nahor, where uh, Abraham is originally from. So he sends him there. Uh, uh, this guy named Eleazar, his, his servant, he sends him back to his home country, has him and, and, and with the instructions of, hey, find my son a wife. Now that is a scary proposition. Just saying, okay? Uh, I'm so glad that the, the Navy arranged for me to meet my wife that I didn't have to do it via camel, okay? Um, but anyway, so this is, the, this is what takes place. Now, again, I'm trying to cut the story short here. Genesis chapter 24, uh, we'll put it up here for you so you can just follow along uh, in verse 12. And it says, uh, And he uh, said unto God, uh, to, uh, unto the Lord God, okay, the he here is <clears throat> the servant or Eleazar, okay? the servant of Abraham who's going to find the wife for the son Isaac. And he, Eleazar, said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me uh, good speed this day and show uh, kindness unto my master Abraham. Behold, I stand here by the well of water and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. And let it come to pass that a damsel uh, to whom I say, let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink. And she shall say, drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Now, now that is an incredible prayer. You know how much water camels drink? A lot. Okay. So, I mean, she's got to get a lot of water out of the well to water his camel. Anyway, um, uh, 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 let the let the same be she uh, that thou has appointed uh, for thy servant Isaac, and therefore and thereby shall I know that thou hast showed kindness unto my master. And it came to pass, before he had done speaking, that behold, Rebekah came out, who was born of Bethuel. Uh, the son of Milcah, the, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, 
uh, with her pitcher upon her shoulder. Okay, the point. my point is this. There's a couple things that takes place in verse 15 that are really, really important. The first one is the word speaking. And it came to pass before he had done speaking. It doesn't say before he had finished praying. It says that he was speaking to God. Earlier I talked about prayer. And this word speaking literally means to just have a conversation with. So Eleazar was simply having a conversation with God. That is the kind of relationship that God wants with you and me. That we just talk to him. One of the things that we're going to be doing is we're going to be visiting some friends of ours uh, in North Carolina while we're back east. And uh, his, uh, this man's name is Dennis. And he and I lived together um, uh, for just a short period of time before we were both married. And one of the things that impressed me, he taught me how to pray. Because he just had conversations with God. And honestly, if he were here this morning and and I asked him to pray, you would think that Jesus would be standing right next to him and they were just talking. That's the way this man prays. And that's what this word talks about. So that tells me that Eleazar had a relationship with God. Get to know God. When your life is turned upside down, get to know God. Get to know him. Number one, trust him. He's always there. He knows you inside and out. Number two, believe him. Let your life choices make a difference. Number three, get to know God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love. And Lord, I do ask that you would speak to our hearts and that you would encourage us, that you would strengthen us, and that you would help us to be more like you. Oh God, we need you. We need you. Thank you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, and I, I know I've gone gone long this morning, and, and I'm sorry about that, but God, God has just really put this on my heart.